0: You are now listening to the Fantasy Whisper Podcast with your hosts, Johnny Game Time Hicks and Big Travi. Why, hello and welcome to the Fantasy Whispers Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Johnny Game Time Hicks, and that is my partner, Big Travi. And we're here to give you that fantasy football fix here on this lovely, lovely Tuesday night. Big Travi, how you doing, buddy?
1: I am doing great, Johnny. You can just feel it right now. It is palpable. The fantasy season is about to make that turn. The intensity is about to ratchet up. And I am just stoked to dive into our second part of these shitty committees, these running back by committees that we are going to dive into. And what's what's more exciting to talk about than running backs? Maybe not being in committees, but running backs in fantasy for <laughs> sure.
0: Absolutely. Running backs are essentially the cornerstone of many fantasy football teams. And we're going to dive in. We're going to sort that out for you. So that way, you know exactly which person to take in these (laughs) shitty committees, as we'd like to say. Um, But first, Travis, I got a question for you, brother. It is Shark Week. I got to give a shot. I'm a huge fan of Shark Week. And so being that it's Shark Week, we saw one of the most feared fantasy players last year entering the fantasy playoffs. And that was Todd Gurley. Travis, name a player that you think could be a ferocious predator, like the shark in the ocean going into this season and going into the playoffs that we could really be like at the end of the year, be like, wow, if you had that guy on your team, chances are you won. Well, I don't
1: want to take an easy route out here. So I'm going to go. S- still in the first round, second round borderline. I'm going to go keep it consistent here and take Odell Beckham Jr. I've been hyping him all offseason. He's been looking great. He's coming back from injury in the contract year. New offensive coach in Pat Shermer. I just got to keep it consistent. I'm, I kind of want to keep it down because yeah. <laughs> I like where his value is right there at the end of the first beginning of the second But I I think at the end of the year, we're going to be like OBJ was on a good percentage of championship rosters.
0: Yeah, that one's definitely not a bad option. I really do like Odell coming into this year. We talk about it, contract year. He's looking like he's in great shape. But for me, when I'm looking at this and I'm looking at the landscape of exactly where people are going currently and things like that, it's it's got to be Stephon Diggs for me man. I really think this year he's going to pop off and he's going to be that guy who carries a lot of teams. You know, he he's going in that area of DeAndre Hopkins like DeAndre Hopkins was last year and I really think that Diggs has the skill set and the opportunity and now the quarterback who's willing to take the risks by tossing it up to him and I think Diggs could be could be that shark infested waters that that people are are feared to face when it comes into playoff time
1: yeah i'm a fan of the digs pick and like you said i think kirk cousins actually suits his style more than case keenum did they're going to work Diggs more on the outside he's been an elite route runner let's i'm excited to see how that plays out for
0: sure all right travis so like we said we're doing shitty committees part two which are the rbc's and we're going to tell you which one you should choose our first, we want to dive in. There was a, a ton of information that came out, a lot of stuff that Travis and I are going to sift through for you guys first. So let's just jump on in here with some news and notes. Let's do it. News and notes from around the NFL. All right, big Travi. Like always, our information comes from the sleeper bot. Get all of our news and notes updates here. We're going to start off with uh, Leonard Fournette is reporting to Jaguars training camp at 223 pounds. He slimmed down a little bit. Does this mean anything to you or you're just uh, it's the same old, you know, Leonard Fournette is going to be a beast no matter what?
1: No, actually, I do think there's a little bit of value in this. There were times last year that he looked just a tad sluggish. This is going to help his ankles. I don't think his ankles are going to be able to be saved when you're a running back in the NFL. Mm. I just don't think that's how it works. But uh, I do like that he's coming in a little bit trimmed down. This is, I think, his high school weight is what I read online. So I I dig it, man. If he's trying to work on himself, because he did have some character issues, so to speak, uh, as far as team organized activities. So this is nice to see him kind of turn the corner in that second year, mature a little bit,
0: and want to come in in better shape. All right next bit of information is just kind of funny if anything (laughs) and that's just jimmy g came down and he said deep down he felt he was better than the greatest of all time that he could one day beat out tom brady for the starting job in new england do you agree with this or do you think he's just kind of a little bit into himself right now and feeling himself after not losing a single game in his career
1: well, I'd like to pump the brakes just a little bit as far as comparing him to the greatest, you know, arguably one of the greatest of all time. For me, I do not I do think there is some important um, connections here. Based on what the reports have been coming out, I mean, Brady, or I'm sorry, Belichick did not want to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. So if Garoppolo thought it and Belichick kind of thought he was the heir apparent um, there might be some actual legitimacy here to at least him competing with Brady or an aging Brady for the job. Listen, I think I'm high on Garoppolo this year. I think with a full offseason with San Francisco and with the keys to the car, Shanahan, we know what he can do with quarterbacks and quarterbacks that aren't that great. So even if he's not that great, I think he's going ha- to be set up for a good fantasy the year this year. And I think uh, you know, maybe he needs to cool it on some of the dates he's been going on. But, you know, you know, when you got
0: that kind of money, you just do whatever you want, I guess. Yeah. And when you're in the Bay Area, I guess <laughs> wild things happen. Right. All right. So NBC Bay Area's Matt Malocco suggests Jarrett McKinnon is a candidate for fifteen hundred yards from scrimmage. What do you think of this?
1: I am buying the hype. I think unless Jarek McKinnon gets injured, and that's a big possibility, right? He's he's had some durability issues, but I think uh, barring an injury, Jarek McKinnon could be set up. Right, you know, I'm I'm kind of projecting that eight to nine hundred yards rushing, six hundred five to six hundred yards receiving. I think that happens, and then you know he's gonna. We know that Shanahan offenses love to throw to the running back in the red zone. So he's going to be set up to score quite a bit. I like Jarek McKinnon this year. I think in that group of running backs you have, he's one of the more set up for upside as as, as some of these other guys. So I, I like Jarek McKinnon, and I think that's very possible.
0: I would second that opinion there, Travis. All right. Chris Thompson avoided active slash PUP to open Red Sits camp. This is big, right?
1: Yeah, I do like Chris Thompson, especially in PPR formats, especially with Alex Smith as his quarterback. So especially it, his
0: value that he's going at right now in drafts. He's correct, correct. super deep. Correct. So you got to like
1: that a lot. I do think that there is some value in both of these running backs. I think Darius Geis will be set up to run a lot of uh, plunges in from the goal line. So his touchdown upside is there. But Chris Thompson was killing it last year before that injury. And I think with a really legitimate pounder, this could actually help him be more durable so he can come in and make, make people miss like he was doing out of the backfield in the receiving f- fashion.
0: All right, so Falcons wide receiver Julio Jones does not plan to report to camp, and he is comfortable sitting out the entire time, sources said. He is still seeking a contract adjustment while the team made it clear to him that they did not plan on giving him one. He appears resolute. his salute. <laughs> In his mindset, Travis, are you going to get at what point are you going to get concerned about him not reporting to training camp? Um, I would say we want to see
1: him either report or get a contract done somewhere around the third preseason game. That's usually the mm-hmm. dress rehearsal game. You'd like to see him at least available to the team. Doesn't mean he has to suit up, but yeah. I don't like it to leak into the regular season because that affects You know what his production now we know that the first month of the season in fantasy football is the least important doesn't mean it's not important, but you are able, you know, you want your guys to be ready for the back end for the playoffs and, and the stretch run but I still, uh, I still want to see him get back, you know, somewhere around the end of preseason third to fourth game of the preseason.
0: All right, and just a few more things here, so we'll just rapid-fire him, Travis. All right, Panthers coach Ron Rivera told ESPN he would not be surprised if Christian McCaffrey reached 200 carries this season. Does this uptick you a little bit on Christian McCaffrey currently going right after Jarrett McKinnon? Do you put Christian McCaffrey now slightly ahead of Jarrett McKinnon knowing this news?
1: No, I like Jarrett McKinnon more. He's definitely set up for more usage than McKinnon is just based Mm -hmm. on the fact that C.J. Anderson is there. And he's, he was more effective than Jonathan Stewart last year. So keep that in mind. We're going to talk about the Carolina Panthers next week in, a, in our uh, episode about backfields as well. So just, you know, stay tuned next week. We'll dive a little bit deeper into that.
0: All right. So just ESPN, Rob, I'm not even going to pronounce, Rob's try skin. to pronounce that. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, believes Geronimo Allison is the best bet for the Packers number three receiver job. I was going to make a comment on this. I think this is really good news as far as for fantasy because there were often times where I would I would pick up Geronimo Allison near the end of drafts, maybe with the chance uh, the, the slight chance that he would be in a wide receiver two. We have seen the wide receiver two for that Green Bay Packers offense be very very valuable. So for me, this just solidifies my Kevin Cobb, you know, or Kevin Cobb. Randall Cobb Randall Cobb, thank you my Randall Cobb confidence going into this year that he is going to be definitely the guy that you're going to want to target over Geronimo Allison yeah and then oh sorry you have anything to add no I I just agree yeah that's good okay all right so then last two things a couple big ones so Rams and running back Todd Gurley finalized agreement on a four-year extension worth 60 mil that includes 15, uh, $45 million guaranteed that, tie, uh, that ties him to L.A. for the next six seasons, sources told ESPN. Finally, a deal that resets the running back market. He is now the highest paid running back ever in NFL history. Travis, does it mean anything for this season coming up? Do you think he'll kind of rein it back just a little bit now that he's gotten paid? Or do you think he, he's going to be the same beast as he's been last year and and his year one?
1: Yeah, I, I project him to be, you know, just the same amount of usage in that offense, especially with the money behind him. They want to use him a bunch. He opens up everything in the passing game through him. So, uh, yeah, I there's no restrictions for me as far as what this does. I will just say once again, not not exactly fantasy relevant, but Aaron Donald
0: just sitting over there going, uh, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see where they go with with him and see if they're going to give him that contract. He wants a big contract. So then last but not least, uh, another big one is that David Johnson reported to training camp. Not only did he report to training camp, but he came in five days early. So, Travis, does this this puts confidence, at least for me, not only as a Cardinals fan, but also as a fantasy player, knowing that David Johnson, he's going to, and he even came in and he said, let's do this. I'm going to show him exactly how valuable I am. And this is exactly what you want from a fantasy perspective. You want a guy who's determined who really wants to prove to the franchise, to the fan base, that he is worth the money. And don't get me wrong, I think he is worth every penny of that uh, if you're looking at the same similar kind of contract as Todd Gurley would get. But, shoot, if we can tease him just a little bit for another year and if he lands on my fantasy team, I'm going (laughs) to be pretty stoked. Yeah, I'll just say uh, add a point
1: here. I had been saying earlier that I like to take, you know, if I'm in multiple leagues with top picks, like mm-hmm. to take multiple shares of Todd Gurley and Le'Veon Bell. I am now extending that out to David Johnson um, just in the last couple of weeks. I just wanted to see him get back into the fold. It was, it was just a matter of time. But this guy's only a year removed from being, you know, having a better season than Gurley had last year. We have to remember that they are going to run this offense through him. And a little bit of Fitzgerald, or well, I should say a lot of bit of Fitzgerald, but mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, David Johnson is the motor that makes this thing run. And so far, the coaching staff has said that exactly. So David Johnson set up to have another monster year this year.
0: All right, Travis, you ready? You ready to jump into this running back by committee? Let's kick it off, brother. All right. So we're going to start off our very first one with the Atlanta Falcons running back duo in Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman. Travis, this Atlanta offense in 2017 was the 11th best running back and rushing temps. They were the 7th best team in running back yards per carry with 4.25. 4. They were 8th in running back fantasy points, 8th in running back points per rush, and they finished with 26 in targets and 27th in receptions. Travis, why don't you let the people know exactly how confident they should be in drafting Devonte Freeman, whose ADP is currently in the second round, half halfway through the second round. Yeah,
1: Johnny, I want to just touch a little bit on the stats you were saying there: twenty sixth in targets and twenty seventh in receptions. And you're like, oh no, why didn't why did they do that? Were the backs bad at catching the football? No, actually, they were fourth in the NFL in running back yards per reception. So. Had they have gotten them more involved, we would have seen a lot more out of these running backs. You, you look at that, though, and even with a down year last year and offensive efficiencies, Devonta Freeman finished as a top 14 fantasy running back. There are some concerns because his points per game have dipped right from the Shanahan years of 21.2 to 17.8 and then to 14.2 last year. So that's a seven point per game average that it's dipped over the last two years. That's kind of concerning, but you look at over the, you know, the last three years, Freeman is as consistent as it's been. And he's been very effective. He's tied with Todd Gurley for the most rushing touchdowns over the last three seasons with 29. So he's definitely up there. And my thing is, is if Sarkeesian can recoup maybe 50 to 75% of the Shanahan numbers, So just about half of what between what he did last year and what Shanahan was able to do two years ago, I mean, I think the ADP is great for Freeman. He's right there at the beginning of the second round. I really like where he's at, and if you're looking against him and Mixon and Howard and McKinnon, he's a more surefire guy, and you just have to look at the money with Atlanta, Johnny. Okay, they paid Freeman a fat extension last year, right? And they have not paid Coleman, and this is Coleman's contract here. I and you expect Coleman to be gone next year, meaning this team knows who their guy is. It's Freeman. So I expect those carries to be the same where it's about 16 a game for Freeman and about 10 for Coleman to about, you know, the same kind of uh, catching ratio a little bit. Coleman's still going to be very valuable, but I think both of these guys have value. I think this team is set up to be a lot better next year. What are your thoughts?
0: So I want to throw this comment up here. Chris Hannon, does Coleman take over finally? And the simple answer to that, Travis, when I'm I'm kicking off Tevin Coleman, is I don't believe he will. You're looking at it. He's going into a contract season, and I like that aspect of it. I think I'm very very confident in Tevin Coleman. His ADP right now is uh, in the seventh round, the beginning of the seventh round, which I think is an absolute steal. He has proven to be a top 25 fantasy running back in back-to-back seasons. So you have the, the, the stats behind it. You have the consistency behind it. Again, this is his contract year. He's only 25 years old. I've been saying for a while, I think he is actually the better runner between Devontae Freeman and himself. His, he has increased his carries every year. He started off his rookie year with 87, and then he went to 118. And then uh, last season, he had 156. I do think that will go up again as they do, you know, tend to get these running backs a little bit more involved every single year as as a whole. And so, you know, and, and definitely we touch on the Julio Jones. That's going to be a big development. Now, if Julio Jones is out the entire season, he does, you know, sit out the entire season. Definitely look at both of these guys ramping up their usage because that's what their game plan is going to be They're their two best players at that point. If Julio is out in the three games that Freeman was sidelined, he ran for 223 rushing yards and four touchdowns. So you have the production there. That's what I like about Tevin Coleman is that if Freeman goes down and we've seen it before happen. You have an RB one that you're drafting in the seventh round. The only concern is that Freeman is fully healthy. Coleman becomes much more of a risky play from week to week. However, he's still going to return you most often than not an RB two number, uh, uh, RB two numbers. So, don't be too too concerned. But touching again on on Hannon's comment there, it, the reason I don't think that they're going to let Coleman take over the position is because both and both you and I both believe this is that they're going to let Tevin Coleman go at the end of the season. They're not going to retain him. So why would they turn the keys over to him for one season just to hand them back over to Freeman and kind of annoy him or get him frustrated with this offense? So for me that the answer is no, but do I think both of these, and I think this is one of the few committees we talked about, uh, new England last year or Mm -hmm. last week, where we're confident in both of these guys. And yeah. I think this is the same situation. I am completely 100% okay with where you are getting both of these guys. ADP is just right. In fact, if you can grab both of them, I don't think it's too expensive.
1: Yeah, and you could see a lot of weeks where you would have been able to start both of them and be okay. And mm-hmm. like I said, I think they both return the value, like you, like you touched on, of what they've been able to do. Coleman as a top 25, and Freeman as a borderline top 12 back. So I think you're getting them right where you should. I think they return value. And you're looking at some of these other guys around Coleman, and it's On Johnson, mm-hmm. and it's Tariq Cohen, and it's, you know, it's guys Marlon Mack. We're not too, too sure about these other guys at that ADP. We mm-hmm. are sure about Coleman. His, his role has been carved in this offense. We're sure that Matt Ryan likes, them, likes him and likes to dump off to him. I think that they're both valuable, and I think that's what you're going to see. And just to reiterate that fact, they drafted Ito Smith, so they're not going to keep Coleman, right? So, they, are, you know, they're going to move on.
0: So, so we're going to jump into our second RBBC committee here, and that is the Tennessee Titans running back committee. We're going to start off with Derrick Henry. Travis, you want to give down uh, the little breakdown here for the Tennessee Titans backfield last year and what it kind of looked like?
1: Yeah. So if you're looking at last year, you're like, oh, they had a playoff year, right? Why did they fire their coach? Well, they were 18th in running back rushing attempts and 23rd in yards per carry. So they ran that zone scheme and that exotic smash mouth as as they were calling it last year. They ranked last in running back receptions and targets. They were only 16th in fantasy points per reception. So the Titans come in, they fire their head coach. They hire in uh Vrabel from the Patriots tree and they hire Matt LaFleur of the Rams as their offensive coordinator. He's responsible for not only the Rams successful turnaround or partly responsible for that with McVay, but he was also part of the Shanahan Falcons, you know, era, the Titans released DeMarco Murray and they signed Dion Lewis. Um, so we're talking about Derek Henry here. And obviously We love this guy and we want him to be this, you know, bell cow running back. The problem is, is they just haven't made that happen. They keep signing guys that are effective as well. He is a beast and a physical specimen. Last year, he did reach career highs in rushing yards with 744 and carries with 176. You know, if Henry were alone, the upside and touchdowns alone would be incredible, but you know, he outweighs Dion Lewis by 50 pounds, and yet they still average the same yards after contact with 3.2. I think, you know, Henry is being drafted as this surefire RB2 and his, at his ADP, and the Titans paid Lewis top 10 running back money, uh, money. So for me, it's not really about Henry. It's about what the Titans have done with their money, and they're talking about Dion Lewis. So for me, I just don't... When I look at this backfield, I dive into Henry, I dive into Lewis, I dive into the tendencies of the coaching staff. You look at Vrabel, who's from New England. So what does New England like? They like to do. They mix in a bunch of different running backs. I think the signs are pointing to a full-blown committee here and a split. And if that's the case, maybe not a full-blown spit, but you know, basically no passing work for Henry or not enough to be PPR relevant. Dion Lewis on the other hand, is going to be a, an extreme value at
0: 6.04. So yeah. at that ADP. For, for me, I just want to jump in here on the Derrick Henry because I'm a big fan of Derrick Henry. And you look at what happened last year and, in the, and for the Rams, right? Like the Rams, everyone was down on Todd Gurley. And then all of a sudden he gets this new coaching staff in that's you know, up-tempo, excited. They want to run the ball. And I I feel like that's the same kind of tendency that's going to happen here. I understand that there was no one behind Todd Gurley to kind of take away carries, but I don't think that Derrick Henry needs to be the type of back you give 30 30 rushes to in order for him to be effective. I think that sure he can be effective in those cases, but I think this offensive scheme is really going to bode well for Derrick Henry. You're looking at a guy who's going to get the goal line carries so he has the touchdown upside. I think this offense in general is going to be pretty good. So for me, I'm not as fr- I'm not afraid of Derrick Henry coming into this season. But like you touched on before, the ADP of Deion Lewis is so nice. You was talking about in the sixth round for a guy who had career highs last year. He had 180 rushing attempts. He had 896 rushing yards and six touchdowns. So he is a dual threat kind of running back in the red zone. But when you have a smash mouth kind of running back like Derrick Henry back there, chances are you're going to put that guy in. Now I wouldn't be surprised if they use both of them on the field at the same time. Uh, So that's something to, to watch out for. They did it last year uh, with, with DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry and they try to, you know, confuse the defense on who they were going to hand the ball off. I think they, we could see that again this year. He's played in Uh, Dion Lewis played in all 16 games, but that was the only time that Dion Lewis has played all 16 games. And he only was on the field for 36.8% of the snaps, which you could turn that, that stat into a positive stat and be like, Hey, if he was only on the field for 36.8% of the time, and he still returned you the value of a, a, he was just a borderline, RB1, low, uh, high end RB2, that's fantastic value. I could see him going right around that amount of usage. I do think it's going to be quite like 60 40. You also look at, at his Deion Luce's efficiency and, and elusiveness rating last year and the 28 qualified running backs, and he was the highest one. So there are a lot of positives to this running game. And, you know, I, I wouldn't put it quite up there with the New England and with the Atlanta but this is a decent running back by committee here. Yeah. I mean, and you
1: just look at what Matt LaFleur, the new offensive coordinator has said, and that's why it's going to be important to watch this, you know, backfield during training camp. Is because he said, until you get the pads on, and this is a quote, until you get the pads on and really get going through preseason, I look at them both as one a and one B. Mm-hmm. So that's what LaFleur has said about both of his running backs, one a and one B Johnny. So, like I said, I think, you know, I love Derrick Henry I just look at what the Tennessee you know, Titans have been saying. They've been putting their money where their mouth is and saying, you know, we really like Deion Lewis. We like what he did last year. We think that both of these backs can be on equal playing field. I just look for the competition to happen. But, you know, if Henry's, you know, if if talk out of camp happens and Henry's ADP falls a little bit for me personally, then I'm, I'm a little bit more interested. But right now I think a lot would have to improve on this offense for them to be both return
0: value. All right. Speaking of returning value, we've got up next, the Philadelphia Eagles running back backfield. And we're going to start off with Jay Ajayi. First, Travis, I want to, I want to explain to the fans community, just how good this Philadelphia offense and not only that, but offensive line is. Coming in, Pro Football Focus has them rated as the number one offensive line in football, which you love to hear. Um, I know everyone was the talk of the town a couple of years ago with Dallas and Zeke coming in there like, whoa, they, like he's running behind the best offensive line. Well, what does that translate for fantasy purposes? Well, it gives you the eighth most in running back rushes. It gives you the third highest yards per carry. It gives you the ninth in total running back fantasy points. 10th in fantasy points per rush they only did have nine rushing touchdowns which is a little bit of a concern there but they were 30th in running back targets and receptions which i do expect to go up this year with Corey clement taking a little bit more dominant of a role this is a full-blown committee as no running back has ever tallied over 173 carries in a single season under doug peterson you have LeGarrette Blunt leaving for Detroit, and Jay Ajayi will, according to the coaching staff, have the full offseason to work in this Philadelphia offense, and he's, he's going to the, get the first crack at taking the bulk of the carries. But, however, you do add Sproles back. Uh, he is coming off an injury, and he is about a million years old, so uh, I'm not too concerned with that. But, Travis, you want to give the people a little breakdown of Jay Ajayi and the value that he could bring to fantasy teams this year? Yeah, I'm just a
1: little bit hesitant of Jai just because of the full-blown committee thing we discussed, but there are some intriguing stats. If you look at his carries, they increased, increased especially down the stretch and into the playoffs, right? So if you look at the last eight games, his total touch counts, including the playoffs, I'm going to list them for you here. He went from he he did twelve, then sixteen, fourteen, sixteen, eighteen, twenty-one, and then nine in the Super Bowl. So that's a pretty you know that's pretty good. Pretty good standing, I'm sorry, starting fantasy running back numbers for me. So those touch counts going up is a nice sign. After he was traded to the Eagles, Johnny, he averaged five point eight yards per carry. That was second best in the league behind only Alvin Kamara. So moving on from Blunt means that the Eagles will start Jji and use on short yardage and between the tackles. The concern is the lack of red zone work because you looked, especially with Clement, and you'll talk about him and Darren Sproles. He received zero carries, Jay Ajayi did, zero carries within the five-yard line last year and only scored one touchdown with Philadelphia. And I believe that was a 60- or 70-yard banger that he, took, that yeah. he ripped off, that he, that he scored on. So he was not getting a lot of red zone look. That's where I think the ADP is not worth it for me with Jay Ajayi, unless that starts to fall and you hear some noise about Sproles and Clement looking great and people start to give up a little bit on Jay Ajayi. If he slips, he could definitely... You know, and if there's a an injury to the receiving backs, I could definitely see it. But you know, they they did commit a little bit to the touch count. I just think that ADP is so high, Johnny. Mm-hmm. I think Corey Clement's a nice little bit of a bargain down there if you look at him at, in the tenth yeah. round, especially. And you and you should you know you'll talk about him. So give us a little bit yeah. about Corey Clement.
0: Yeah, so Corey Clement, when you're looking at his ADP, right around at ten point oh four, so beginning of the tenth round and with LeGarrette Blunt leaving this offense it opens up about 173 touches in this offense so he had a great super bowl and he didn't but he didn't reach 70 yards from scrimmage in any other game last season so there there is a little bit of concern there but he's still averaging 4.3 yards per carry last year he racked up 444 yards uh, and six touchdowns on only 84 total touches which is a whopping 5.3 touches per game or sorry yards per per attempt which is really really good and then if you look at um, some of the other aspects of his his game that you really like he can run up the middle he's not as talented as JJ is I won't I won't give him that but you're looking at a guy who when it gets when the ball gets into the red zone I can see them implementing Corey Clement quite often because of his dual threat in the red zone. We talked about it, you know, with Dion Lewis, I think same kind of effect. And you're talking about a guy who a lot of people like he's a fan favorite. A lot of people root for him. And so for me, give me, giving the, the ADP and I'm going to throw up a comment here that Brett Johnson is showing it, he, but he doesn't have knees and, and he's, he's talking about Jay Ajayi. Oh, yeah. And so that's why I, I, you know, and then we got a second one on bone to bone, bone on bone <laughs> by Chris Hannon. And that's and that's true. And we saw JHI miss games last year. And I think it could happen again and then the guy who's going to take over in this backfield as the lead dog would be Corey Clement. So I I really like the value you're getting for Corey Clement. You can wait on him, get him uh, as a deep stash. Uh, we talk about one of our uh, little um whisper being Kenneth Dixon. I like this guy, you know, not as much as Kenneth Dixon because I think Kenneth Dixon has an easier road to being an RB one. But Corey Clement, uh, if if things fall his way, we could look at him as an RB, a solid RB two by the end of the year.
1: Yeah, I just think that he's going to lose a little bit of that passing work that makes him so deadly to Darren Sproles coming back from injury. So for me, it's a little bit
0: tough to trust him until we see Sproles, you know, phase but, completely but, out of yeah. the offense realistically how many touches would you say because because look 173 touches are going away so even if you gave 20 to 40 of those touches to Jay Ajayi and that I am I'm projected at going at uh, over 200 carries this season for Jay Ajayi. so yeah. that puts him even as at 240 You're still looking at 120 targets or carry or touches still in that backfield. So even if you did give Sproul's, I don't think he's going to go over 50 touches. I I just don't see it with his age and his body. I just don't see it. Um, So you're still looking at 80, uh, an additional 80.
1: Yeah. I I mean, I get what you're saying here. They, but they took away blunt. Those touches are mostly going to go to Jay Ajayi. I don't think the, a lot of those exact touches are going to go. Because if anything, J.H.I. may get some more passing work than he got last year because blunt has gone. Not that Blunt had passing work, but you just look at what Clement did last year. He only averaged 20 snaps a game, 5.6 touches a game. So, I, I mean, they love Sproles. There's a reason he came back. He loves that team. He wants to get a ring. I think he will have a role as long as he's healthy. I do think there's obviously the risk for re-injury. Uh, and he is older, but for me, like Clement hasn't been worked a ton. He had the one good game, like you said, in the Super Bowl, but then wasn't very effective otherwise, uh, or I mean, see, well, he, he had, was effective, he to... but he just, he just wasn't, that's not exactly sustainable work when you're not getting a lot of scrimmage yards um, and you're not Enough. getting more than 20 snaps. So we'll see. I, I think it's going to be a full blown committee. I don't think I can yeah. find myself drafting Jay Jay a lot. And, you know, I Correct. would, I would be, uh, I would advise fantasy owners to be cautious about drafting JGI and Clement's a nice piece with upside. Cause he can do more of the receiving work and a little bit of the, between the tackles running. So uh, the upside's there for sure. We got Austin
0: saying Clement in cement this season. <laughs> All right. So we got a lot of uh, Corey Clement hating so far. <laughs> I, I, I like where he's going. I like his talent and I, I think he could be a sleeper this year. All right. So speaking of a full-blown committee probably one of the ugliest committees that we will ever see on this show and it's a literally piece of committee (laughs) and this is the the cleveland browns committee we're gonna start this off with uh, a little carlos hyde jumping into this this rbbc in cleveland you've got the 32nd Yes, that's dead last in running back rushing attempts last season. They, But even though that was the case, they still had the 10th highest yards per carry because of that offensive line. They were ranked 30th. Well, say that, say
1: that, no, sorry to interject there, Johnny. But, and it's another reason why I think we, like, we both like Crowell a little bit this year. Craw, Isaiah Crowell is very effective, and he has been his entire career. So that's probably a, another reason why the yards per carry was at least
0: a little bit better. Right. They just didn't give them a lot of touches last season. And and as a result, they were 30th in total running back fantasy points. They were 18th in fantasy points per rush. They only a major part of that was because they only had six rushing touchdowns, which you can blame that offense because they had a terrible quarterback who is now your backup to Aaron Rodgers. So good (laughs) luck with that. Uh, But they were fourth in running back targets and receptions last year. So with that stuff being said, Travis, and those stats kind of backing up uh, our basis of tackling this backfield, what are you seeing for Carlos Hyde for this season?
1: So a couple of stats here. He signed a three-year, $15 million deal to come to Cleveland, right? And he, at 11 out of the 15 weeks last year, he was an RB2 or better in San Francisco, is that going to be more on him or more on the offense that he was in? We'll have to see. He only averaged 3.9 yards per carry, so not the greatest yards per carry. He finished as the RB11 in standard form scoring but needed 239 attempts to do so. So you got to think, like, he, he was volume-based there. Is he going to get that volume with Nick Chubb behind him and, and Duke Johnson behind him? Last year was the first year in his career he played all 16 games. So, we're going to have these lack of touches, his durability issue. Is Cleveland as improved as we'd like to see it is? You know, it's on paper. Are they going to be that much better? Are they going to now suddenly give the ball to the running backs more? They're going to the Super Bowl. They also, <laughs> easy, easy. You know, they also stack the wide receiving core as much as they stack their running back. They stack their wide receivers with the addition of Jarvis Landry. Josh Gordon comes back, Corey Coleman comes back healthy. So there is talent here. There's a lot of mouths to feed. And for me, I just don't know if there's enough at his current ADP to be trusting and hide in the sixth round. So, I mean, you'll dive in a little bit to Duke Johnson here. I think that Duke Johnson is probably, of all these guys in the backfield, I'll get into Nick Chubb a little bit, but Duke Johnson is probably the best
0: value in this backfield. And, Johnny, tell him why. So Duke Johnson currently ADP of 10.11. Wait, like, how? I, <laughs> I don't understand that. Uh, when you look at Carlos Hyde's ADP of 6.06 and then Nick Chubb's is 8.005 in standard leagues, it just, I'm kind of baffling. You're looking at a guy who they want to be there. They signed him to a three year contract extension worth $15.6 million, uh, $5 million signing bonus. So they definitely want him to be there. If you're looking at last season, nine out of 15 weeks he has finished as an RB2 or better. A lot of that is due though to his passing or his receiving out of the backfield. He had a 4.2 yards per carry, which is nice uh, to see, but he also had a whopping 9.4 yards per carry on, or yards per catch, I should say, on 74 catches. And he did have 90 targets last season. So you're looking at wide receiver numbers when you're looking at targets there. The one issue that I do have with Duke Johnson is that the fact that this offense is way better this year, at least on paper than what he had last year, last year, it was essentially him and that was it until Josh Gordon got there and it was him and Josh Gordon. So this offense was more so tailored around him Whereas this season you've got a lot of offensive weapons coming in, you've got you know this three running back committee. You've got they bring in free agent Jarvis Landry or trade for him, I should say, and then you have the Josh Gordon. Now whether he plays all season, who knows? But and then you also have Corey Clement there. Let's not forget about Corey Clement, who Cor- they were hyping Coleman. or Corey Coleman. Thank you. Um, yeah. I got uh running back. Uh, it's stuck in my head. Uh, Corey Coleman from uh, they, they were raving about him last year. So I just don't see him getting the same 90 targets that made him so relevant last year. And also game script. You look at this, this Browns uh, offense, I think they're going to be in a lot more games. They're going to, or they could be leading. So they could actually lead uh, lean on the run a little bit more uh, than they did last year. And so that takes a whole aspect of Duke Johnson, which is kind of why he's so solid in our eyes is because He's got the receiving over any any of the other running backs, so that's why it's a little bit confusing and a, and a little bit questionable to me to drafting Duke Johnson. You I actually am going
1: to take a different stance on Duke. Just on the last part you said there, Johnny. Vegas okay. has their win total at only five point five, and yep. that has to only do with beating
0: the, out the Arizona Cardinals. So yes. Um, <laughs>
1: the NFL's most difficult slate of opposing offenses in weeks one through 10. So I actually do think that they will be in a few shootouts where mm-hmm. they will have to be uh, throwing a bit more now, whether or not that means uh, some of those targets go to Jarvis Landry. I think there's an argument there. I think there's an argument that Landry could be used more. And actually, you know, Brett Zabo made this comment yeah. here. Duke Johnson should have wide receiver eligibility. I could see him playing more wide receiver than behind center behind center So when he signed that contract, Johnny, a lot of the beat writers in Cleveland were actually saying that Hugh Jackson could see them lining him up at wide receiver a whole lot more. So we'll just Mm -hmm. see how that plays. I think he's a guy that's been underutilized. You talk about him having 50 catches in all three years, but averaging just 10.3, 10.3 touches, 7.9 touches, and 9.8 touches per game. So he's underutilized, right? He's getting the catches, but they're not giving, they're not feeding him, and I don't know if that's going to improve. Like you said, with all these weapons, how, how, and especially in the backfield, how does that improve? One mm-hmm. of the guys taking some potential touches away from Duke Johnson is Nick Chubb out of Georgia. So Cleveland yeah. takes him high in the second round of the 2018 draft. He has an incredible NFL Combine, but I couldn't picture a worse landing spot for nick chubb like he could have easily taken the keys over to a backfield here and they you know they just add him to this mix this mess that we got him he's the low man on the totem pole but my you know the big noise coming out about chubb is that he only caught 13 passes over his last three years right in college i think that was more to do with the fact that they had sony michelle than it is that chubb wasn't a good receiver right I think that Sony Michel is an excellent receiver, top tier. And you're going to see that in New England. You saw that on the mm-hmm. tape. But I don't think that makes Chubb a bad receiver. I think, you know, we took, I have a take here that I read. Basically, Haley supposedly on draft night, Todd Haley, the new offensive coordinator for Cleveland, called Chubb on draft night to say, you know I like backs who can take it the distance from anywhere, right? You're my type of back. So that's a little bit of paraphrasing there. But basically... Todd Haley is saying that this backfield projects to be Chubbs one day. I don't think that'll be maybe this entire season. And it may not even be this season at all, given Duke Johnson's presence. But both of those contracts that Duke Johnson and Carlos Hyde signed are actually Cleveland Brown friendly contracts, meaning they have positioned themselves to get out of those contracts with not a lot of hit on their cap, which means I think they want Chubb to be the guy here. They just needed a little insurance. The guy has a gnarly knee injury a couple of years ago. He could take a little bit while to develop in the pass blocking. But I think other than that, Chubb's lined up here. None of these guys have great ADP except for Duke Johnson. So mm-hmm. don't give me Hyde. Don't give me Chubb. I can't really draft them where they're at right now. I can't really trust them unless something were to happen to one or the other. Right. Uh, and Duke right. Johnson, like you said, at, uh, in the 10th round, his role is carved out, whether it be as a wide receiver or a running back. You just hope that he can increase on those touches, man.
0: Yeah, definitely. And one last nugget of information I want to throw out there before we end our show. And that's that if you look back at Todd Haley's coaching experience and and everything that he's been doing, he's always other than the exception of the Pittsburgh Steelers, which they had one of the best running backs ever play the game. He's always done a RBBC committee and that's not necessarily a bad thing, like I when looking back and doing research, you look at the Arizona Cardinals when he was the offensive coordinator. He ran behind Edron James and Tim Hightower. Both of those guys had near a, a near two hundred rushing attempts each. Then you move on to Kansas City, where he had the first year he had Jamal Charles and Larry Johnson. Both of those guys had plus 150 carries. Jamal Charles was closer to 200. And then after that, they bring in Thomas Jones. And there was a year where both Thomas Jones and Jamal Charles went over 230 carries each. So he loves to run the ball. He likes to use that to set up the deep bomb. So even though we're saying, you know, this is a terrible running back by committee, which, you know, I will say it is, and Travis will say it is, there could be some value here. We're just saying that it's really risky at trying to figure out which two those guys are. And if you're gonna bet on one, bet on Duke Johnson at the ADP because if you're wrong, you can drop him. It's not gonna cost you a lot. Whereas if you draft Carlos Hyde and you end up being wrong, you just wasted a sixth rounder with guys that are going around like like Dion Lewis, Tevin Coleman. Both of those guys are going right around the same as Carlos Hyde, and they're a lot safer. And both of our books. So be smart with the draft picks. Yeah.
1: And I would just say it just obviously depends on your running back depth. But you look at the 8.05 where Chubb is going, and you got guys like Aaron Jones where you kind of don't know as well. You've got CJ Anderson who's going to be sharing the floor with Cam and Christian McCaffrey. You've got Isaiah Crawwell. Now that one's a little bit interesting to me, right? We just talked about Crawwell's effectiveness. I think I would take a guy like Crawwell over Nick Chubb based on the fact that he is the guy he projects to be the guy there. So just some things to think about. Um, Obviously these committees are always tough. You tend to want to go with the guy who's got the better value. So you don't have to worry about relying on a guy who may not
0: even be in a significant role yet. Well said. Well said, Travis. All right. Well, that wraps up our running back our shitty committee part two until next time. All right. So Travis got a big announcement this weekend. Yeah. If you are in Cali, please come visit us at the bank of Venice. We're doing a bar takeover from 12 PM to 4 PM. We're going to have drink specials. We're having uh, a little, uh, some, some giveaways. We got some autographed jerseys. We got Aaron Donald, that autographed Jersey will be up. For you to win, all you got to do is show up and uh, and sign up for for, you know, the Fantasy Whispers stuff and it, and you get entered into the drawing. Super easy. So please come and check us out. If Like always, download our podcast. We're on Google Play, iTunes and Stitcher. Check our videos out on YouTube. Just search the Fantasy Whispers and catch us live every Tuesday night right here on Facebook Live. I'm Johnny Game Time Hicks, and that's Big Travy, and we're out. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Whisperers podcast. You can hear more from John and Travis on Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TF Whispers.